Welcome to season two of the Wayward Muse podcast. We are here to bring you insights into the restaurant industry and mix culture and cocktails. Thanks y'all for tuning in. I feel so blessed by this growing listening community. If you wish to support our work, check out our website at yourwaywardmuse.com. Your donations or purchases go a long way in keeping our project moving. That's my blurb. Let's dive into the good stuff. Laura Kelton is the co-founder of the Support Staff Organization. Their focus is to help the hospitality community by working alongside mental health professionals and community organizers to break down the stigmas surrounding mental health. You've worked at such illustrious places as the Bad Hunter and Sportsman Club in Chicago. What was the journey like moving from those things to starting an organization that helped facilitate mental health in the industry? It's really interesting because I think a culmination of all those experiences are really um, kind of what brought, you know, myself to want to do this kind of work um, leading into, you know, mental health within the hospitality industry. You know, it's definitely been a very interesting transition. Um, and especially after the past year of not really, you know, getting a chance to interact with the community as much as, you know, we would like to um, in person. It's been kind of, I feel like, difficult to kind of, you know, keep touch and stay connected. Um, but, you know, it really were the, was those integral experiences that I had, you know, working, um, especially at places like Sportsman's Club, um, that was so fast paced and so community um, and neighborhood driven um, and frequented by so many of the most wonderful people in our industry um, constantly, um, which was really, really great. But, you know, having that experience working at such a, a high volume bar that, you um, was frequently visited by, you know, the people that created the industry within Chicago, um, also really kind of opened my eyes to a lot of the flaws within our industry, especially when it came to, you know, the hustle mentality. Um, you know, our, our support staff slogan is kind of please hustle responsibly. And a lot of that is stuff that, you know, I learned through my own faults in, um, I kind of say like, you know, trying to like run the rat race of, you know, being the best within our industry. I think it's really easy to get caught up in that. Um, and, you know, working at illustrious spots are really, really cool and definitely, um, you know, were very fun experiences to have. Um, but at the same time, whenever you are working in those spaces, I think is when you really start to see kind of like the dark underbelly of this industry and kind of, you know, what it can take to climb to the top. And that is truly kind of what inspired a lot of the work that we're doing now. I could see how working in places like that would lead you to those decisions. Um, there is this sense of in the industry where working, at least before the pandemic, if, if you weren't working two jobs at two different places where you could at least put some Michelin stars or some James Beard awards behind your belt and try and move up the ranks through competitions in your free time, there was you just weren't trying hard enough. Right. No, absolutely. Um, you know, I think that the the hardest part of, you know, the journey of kind of, of mental health and um, really trying to be mindful and applying it to your career and so that there is longevity into a career is, you know, all of the unlearning that has to take place. Um, you know, I started working in... Um, in restaurants. My first job was at a Bonefish Grill as a host when I was uh, a senior in high school. And I, you know, very much spent all of my formative years working in a restaurant and throughout college and, you know, actually graduated college as quickly as I could because I knew I wanted to pursue a career within the bar and restaurant industry. Um, but because of that, you know, all of my foundational knowledge when it came to you know, working uh, and boundaries and anything like that, or not having any boundaries, um, all came from being raised in, you know, a very, a restaurant atmosphere that um, 
was very, you know, go, 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 go. And, you know, we chef and um, really, you know, kind of working yourself to the bone. And, and like you said, you know, if you're not constantly taking advantage and saying yes to every opportunity, it kind of felt like you were failing um, and not failing forward, not failing in a good way. Um, failing forward to something that uh, I think Alex Jump has talked about, a lot about from um, Focus on Health. And, you know, I think there are a lot of experiences that you learn from your mistakes doing, but um, when you're just constantly saying yes to everything and really getting lost in it, I don't know that that is uh, feeling forward in so much of a good way as much as really kind of burying yourself in work. It was interesting when you said raised by restaurants, because I feel that same way where the restaurant industry, in a sense, almost kind of filled in a few of the familial roles that can sometimes crop up in your life. And then you feel this sort of like need to dedicate yourself because the it filled some of the gaps in, you know, a traditional upbringing, at least in my experience. So it can be hard to kind of separate that kind of emotional connection to your profession and what might be, you know, mentally appropriate for you to succeed emotionally as a person. You know, that's it's so true. And I'm really glad that you brought that up um, because the issue of, you know, kind of considering and I, I I have a hard time saying, you know, issue. We talk a lot about in our organization um, that we don't like, you know, using the term family to refer to uh, the people that we work with and our colleagues um, because it can really create a very scary and toxic environment. And, you know, that's not to say that's a, <clears throat> a blanket statement that works for everyone because there are some people that I think um, do really enjoy that and enjoy, you know, kind of having their work family and being, you know, bar mom and bar dad, but there are a lot of people that you can't just apply that term to without, you know, their consent. Um, because for a lot of people, you know, considering someone family is a, a really good way to manipulate someone into getting something, you know, out of them. And for everyone, family is not always a positive thing, but, you know, you are right in that, you know, like I said, being raised by restaurants, it is really interesting that when you do get kind of absorbed into that atmosphere, you know, there are a lot of times that, I was spending holidays with my my restaurant colleagues who I would have considered my family, you know, at that point um, and have luckily kind of, you know, broken those kinds of ties within the workplace um, because I learned that they weren't very healthy for me um, and that, you know, that's not how you treat your family. Just because you work for someone doesn't mean that you should be willing to give up everything for them. Um, I think that should be reserved for very special people in your life. And that is definitely when it is very easy to become consumed by your career. Yeah, and I think that's kind of one of those other things that the, isn't talked about in the industry, too, is that I would say that a lot of the times uh, the restaurant world picks up individuals and attracts people who can easily get absorbed into that kind of mentality of like, oh, I need to do as much for this place as possible. The most like go-getting, hardworking people usually find themselves in restaurants because they like that level of like uh, mental stimulation and the amount of workload. So it's very easy for, you know, some owners and management to key into that and, you know, use the familial ties, as you said, to, you know, manipulate and create, you know, negative situations. No, absolutely. I do think that, um, you know, and I've told people this, so it's like, I, you know, kind of felt like I didn't find my place and find, you know, my band of misfits really entirely until I got into the restaurant world. And it was the first time that I think that I felt, you know, truly accepted. I was raised in, um, I was actually raised in the South and raised in a very, you know, conservative home and always kind of felt like a little bit of, you know, the oddball um, and did theater in high school. And once I got into restaurants, it was the first time that I was like, oh, these people actually like, 
I get along with them and they get along with me. And I feel like we actually are uplifting each other. Um, but you kind of find yourself in a whole different, you know, broken system when you do that and fill um, some personal voids with your professional ties. Um, and I think there's a lot to be said for, you know, having kind of really step back and be mindful of, you know, kind of creating those boundaries within the workplace um, and that you can, you know, share a lot of personal connection. And I've met, you know, people I founded this organization with and work in this organization with. And, um, you know, a lot of my closest friends were made through this industry. So it's not to say that you can't build a support system with it, but maybe it's not, you know, the entirety of your workplace that is your support system constantly 24-7. Um, yeah, it, it won't lead to, you know, a healthy lifestyle usually. You also had also mentioned unlearning things. Besides being careful with the term family when it comes to your work environment, were there other things that you unlearned along your journey while starting this organization? We've talked a lot about this recently and that, um, you know, me and the co-founders, we we really, you know, started this organization because we saw there was a need for it in the industry and we saw that need, um, you know, within ourselves. And we are very much people that are kind of like, okay, there's a problem, let's go and solve it. And that's what I think a lot of being in the restaurant industry is, is um, wanting to, you know, constantly help people. And that's a difficult thing to unlearn whenever you have a heart, you know, for service and wanting to take care of people is how do you make sure that you are also filling yourself up and taking care of yourself? Um, you know, we reference the phrase, you can't pour from an empty cup very often, um, especially with all of our work through healthy pour. Um, and that's really what we're about is trying to kind of pour back into ourselves. Um, but whenever you were, you know, raised in this, I say kind of raised in this atmosphere of um, constantly wanting to help people, the the unlearning that it's okay to, you know, step back and put your oxygen mask on, you know, first, if you want to use the airplane, you know, in flight analogy. Um, but there are so many things that I'm constantly unlearning. Um, and that, you know, a lot of that is has to do with productivity and slowing down. And, you know, while the past year has been incredibly hard for, you know, everyone, everyone, period, um, our industry, you know, specifically with all the loss that we've had, it's also, you know, been a great opportunity to kind of pause and have the time to unlearn those things. Um, and I think, you know, for me, as we start to move forward into normalcy, um, that's the thing that I have to constantly remind myself of is that, you know, this is ongoing. You don't just decide you're going to forget something and not have to deal with it anymore. It's like, no, you're constantly having to remind yourself um, when these little, you know, thoughts creep up and it's like, no, it's actually, it's okay to say no to that or um, to say, hey, I need to take the afternoon off and really kind of, you know, replenish myself because then I can come back at tomorrow at 100% or I can keep giving, you know, 50% of myself today and then go into tomorrow drained. So um, that's definitely, I think, a lot of what that that unlearning journey has been like over the past, uh, you know, year especially. Would you have any advice for those who are now feeling more comfortable returning back into the restaurant workspace who might have come off a, a year of, you know, being separated from uh, their career path? Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's such a, a multifaceted question um, because, you know, there are there are some people that this break was really great for. There are some people, there are so many different, you know, stages. We were joking yesterday. Mm -hmm. We're like, you know, is it quarantine anymore? Are we still shelter in place? What's What season of quarantine is this? Um, and that, you know, I think <laughs> yeah. everyone's gone through such a different, <laughs> a very different, you know, growth period over time. Um, but, you know, when it comes to reentering the workplace, I think a lot of it depends on what um, your concerns are. But the first step is to really 
take a moment and evaluate what you've taken away from the past year and what it is that you want to maybe, you know, get rid of and leave behind moving forward in your career um, and what things that you want to, you know, hold on to and really protect. And I think that's something I've, you know, been talking to a lot of people about recently is the need to kind of protect all of this work that we've, you know, hopefully been able to do on ourselves during this. And if not, the things that we have um, become more aware of that we'd like to work on. Um, so for me, you know, that that looks like talking to people closest to me in my support group as I, you know, am considering re-entering the workplace, even, you know, part-time in addition to working with support staff is, you know, telling people like, hey, I need you to help me make sure that I'm honoring my boundaries as I move back into this and that, you know, I don't want to lose myself in the work again. So I think, you know, accountability is a huge piece of, of moving forward um, and trying to, you know, trying to figure out what vulnerability and appropriate vulnerability within, especially the workplace looks like, um, whether you are a, a leader or you are an hourly employee um, or, you know, whatever it may be within your organization, um, you know, figuring out who you can be vulnerable vulnerable with in the workplace um, and kind of making sure that people are, are keeping that in check, you know, where people are at mentally, where people are at physically, because I know that a lot of people's, not so much their work ethic, but just their capacity for work has very much changed over the past year. So um, I guess the second piece of advice would be, you know, being forgiving and being gentle with yourself whenever, you know, you might feel completely wiped after that first six or seven hour shift back on your feet when you were used to working, you know, doubles three days a week and it feeling like nothing or you being exhausted, but like that was, was normal for you. So I think, you know, accountability, um, vulnerability, and then, you know, being, being mindful of that moving forward. Yeah. I mean, speaking from my own personal experience, the, the journey back to work is definitely was shocking the first, you know, 10 hour shift that I, did I was like my body is not prepared to do this? Yeah, absolutely. I know that I personally have attempted to kind of you know not go on a fitness journey, but just be more mindful of moving my body regularly because I could feel how much muscle I had lost over the past year of not um, running cases of liquor up and down stairs and you know pulling bottles out of a well constantly and just you know always being on your feet. So. If you are looking to re-enter the workforce, you know, maybe trying to figure out how you can mindfully start moving your body regularly so that it's not quite as bracing once you get into it. But it's okay if you're exhausted and it's okay if, you know, your capacity has changed over the past year. I think that that's um, a very, a very healthy thing for people, honestly, because we were so used to moving at light speed. But again, you know, it's, it's a two-parter. It's like, you're allowed to be exhausted, but you also have to forgive yourself for being exhausted and for maybe not being um, as productive as you once were and what you, you know, what your expectation level was before is going to change and it, it should. Couldn't agree more. I wanted to move into discussing uh, your organization of support staff and what tools and resources you might be able to provide for the, you know, the Chicago industry. We have grown so much over the past year. Um, and, you know, really after we hit our one year mark, our official one year of being an organization was um, last November, but our, our official 501c3 status didn't come through until um, actually at the very beginning of quarantine last year. We were preparing to start our in-person education um, to be able to go into bars and restaurants and um educate the staff on the state of mental health, what mental 
mental health is and kind of, you know, some coping mechanisms they can use in the industry. Um, and, you know, that very quickly changed whenever the entire industry shut down. And, you know, we know that one of our strong suits has always been in times of crisis and fundraising and wanting to provide some kind of relief um, for the other people in our industry. That's something that's always, you know, brought us a lot of joy is to be able to contribute back to those who need it. So we very quickly decided it was time to start a fund. So um, one of the things we had originally written into our our first business plan for support staff was something called CompTAB. Um, and so it was really cool to get to see that come to life a lot more quickly than we had anticipated. Um, that was kind of the immediate spur to action. And we you know, put education on the back burner for a minute and um, began fundraising so that we could provide financial assistance and kind of, you know, relieve some of that stress of people who had just lost their jobs um, and very specifically, you know, trying to provide um, assistance and care and resources for people who were unable to get government assistance. Um, So undocumented workers, um, contractors, you know, people that all of a sudden lost their livelihood and had really no way of paying their bills. Um, so CompTAB Relief Fund is something that we started. We were able to give away um, $75,000 last year, which was far and away, I think, more than we expected to be able to raise and give away. Um, and that is something that we definitely are looking to kind of continue to grow. Um, so stay tuned for our CompTAB Relief Fund to definitely open up again um, at some point in the near future. And it may not be quite as covid Um, specific as it was last time. Um, Originally, whenever we wanted to start this, we wanted this to be something that people had access to um, in times of need. So whether that is, you know, an an injury um, and you have to be off of work and you need some help, you know, buying groceries that month, or if you need help seeking mental health care um, or taking time away from work because you need to, you know, check yourself in somewhere and make sure that you're taken care of for a while. Um, so that's kind of, you know, the origins of CompTAB and and was our big jumping off point last year. And for people who might feel a, a sense of generosity to want to give to CompTAB, where would they be able to find the resources to do that? www.pleasehustleresponsibly.org. There is a donate button in the upper right-hand corner. And then, you know, that is something if you are wanting to give to CompTAB very specifically um, that you can reach out to myself or organization and we can make sure that all of the money that you donate goes Um, directly into that. I think that's a a really amazing program because there is, I think there will be a need to continually check in on the mental state of the industry, especially as we're morphing again. I can't tell you the amount of times, you know, we've had to pivot from going to work, being off of work, being laid off, being laid back on, being brought on to work, but not really working. And so that amount of mental stress is really worn down on a lot of people. So I think it's a a pivotal program that I think people should consider contributing to. Yeah. And, you know, for us, we know that um, constantly providing financial assistance is not maybe something that is ongoing sustainably in the volume that we were doing last year. Um, So kind of, you know, another piece of the CompTAB Relief Fund and part of, you know, one of our our fundamental programs and support staff is 
uh, the resources that we've compiled on our website. So if you go to that website I referenced earlier, um, there's an entire compendium of all kinds of, you know, resources um, for, you know, different groups of people. Um, there are sleep calculators, articles about sleep, meditation app, different financial assistance programs or food programs. So definitely something, you know, worth checking out and that we want to make sure that we, even if we can't directly provide financial assistance for every single person, we're able to point them in the direction of other things that will help kind of alleviate those stresses of life. Yeah, there are so many resources on there. I was almost baffled by how many there were just broken down to specific groups that, you know, have uh, different needs than others. And I think that it was really cool to see that you've provided help in a lot of different ways that might not be your focus, but, you know, is still a need. Absolutely. You know, that, again, um, a lot of why we found this organization in the first place um, was that we know how difficult it can be to, you know, ask help or seek help um, in times of need and in times uh, in those darker times, whether you're depressed or dealing with anxiety um, or just don't know where to start. So for us, it's like, okay, why don't we get all these together in one place so that at least people have a jumping off point? Um, and if there's something that someone's looking for and you don't see it on that page, you know, please get in touch with us and we'll be happy to help you find that resource. Um, a lot of, you know, what we do is just trying to connect with our peers. Um, we think peer to peer support is huge and we know that we might not have all the answers right now, but, you know, we also have the capacity um, and a team of people that are willing and able and more than happy to help you find uh, what it is that you're looking for. Well, there are some other programs related to support staff as well, right? I think I saw something about sweat sessions mm -hmm. and then you have those, well, technically three podcasts, right? That you all are doing. Yeah. So, um, so sweat sessions is something that we actually will be starting up again soon. We partnered with um, the folks from Paramount Personal Training, um, also known as Boomerang Fitness, if you're looking at more of their industry related things. Um, but they have uh, a gym in Logan Square, and we're actually um, connected to us through our good friends at Best Intentions. Um, and we really love the philosophy of Megan and Alex and what they do through their personal training work. And that is to always want to be 1% better. Um, that it really is about, you know, small continual growth that is sustainable and strong and makes you feel better every single day rather than maybe creating these insanely lofty goals that you have to accomplish in such a short amount of time. So for us, sweat sessions um, was kind of, you know, working with people to get 1% better. Um, and for us, we started with uh, intro to fitness. So we did a, a three week intro to fitness with one of their trainers. Um, that was a lot of, you know, body positioning. And it was a group of us that would get together on Zoom and he'd be able to kind of, you know, hey, pull your hips up, you know, tuck this under, make sure you're staying like this. Because there are a lot of people who, you know, were able to get into some kind of fitness routine during quarantine. Um, but, you know, there are a lot of people, including myself, who are wildly uncomfortable when it comes to all things fitness related and working out and a gym. And for me, I was like, I'm afraid of hurting myself. We need to, I need a jumping off point here. Mm -hmm. um, and it turns out I'm not the only one. So for us, you know, sweat sessions is definitely meant to be kind of more intro level fundamentals to fitness um, to help people feel good in what they're doing and to do it well and to do it safely. Um, and so we are looking, we should be picking up that monthly programming here again very soon. Um, but uh, for now, if people want some um, 
exercise to do, uh, definitely check out Paramount Personal Training and Boomerang Ninja on Instagram because um, they've got a lot of really great short videos that um, help kind of keep you moving, even if you're stuck at home um, using household items like, you know, I can jump, do a lot of jumping over a little like toilet paper to do some footwork and kind of get your heart rate up. So, so if there are things people are looking to do to keep themselves physically fit and active at home um, and you're looking for some inspiration and some new moves, uh, I would definitely look at Instagram for Paramount Personal Training um, and Boomerang Ninja. Boomerang Ninja is a little bit more hospitality specific, um, but they've got a lot of really great uh, things to keep you busy at home, just using standard household items um, just to help you, you know, move and, and feel better in your body. Well, thanks for sharing those with us. I'm excited for sweat sessions to start back up again. That sounds like a really amazing resource for people to have. The last thing I wanted to bring up was those uh, podcasts that you uh, all are doing through support staff. I think there's Please Hustle Responsibly, which kind of sounds like a, your motif for uh, your organization. And then there are also bite-sized podcasts. Yes. Um, our podcasts are something we're really excited about. So um, the Please Hustle Responsibly podcast we launched last year. Um, it is the brainchild of Christina Magro, um, Matt Cole, and Christina Veltri, who uh, Magro is one of our co-founders. And um, Veltri and Matt have been um, with us since day one, have been a big, huge, massive piece of, of this puzzle and putting this all together. And they um, had recorded a little radio hour with one of our friends last year for a care tab campaign that we did. And we're like, Hey, this is really fun. We should, maybe there's something here. Maybe we should use this as a way to keep connecting with our industry. Um, so the police hustle responsibly podcast was kind of born out of a need to want to facilitate more conversations in our industry, you know, surrounding mental health, um, from a wide variety of people of all different, you know, walks of life. So, you know, we do have a lot of industry professionals on there. Um, we recently interviewed uh, Tim Williams and Danielle Lewis from Poor Souls. Um, our new episode coming out next week will be with Jason Hamill. Um, but we've also done things like how do you navigate your the, the healthcare marketplace um, and working with someone who, you know, works in health insurance and kind of explaining like, what do these different plans mean? Like, what am I supposed to sign mm -hmm. up for? What are my different options? And making sure you're taking advantage of that. So for us, it was a way to, you know, help us stay connected to our industry and be inspired by other leaders while also building some community while doing that. The Bite Size podcast is our newest education model. So we had um, again, I talked you know, earlier about the fact that we were looking to move towards creating our in-person education right before COVID hit. Um, and so we kind of spent, you know, last summer focused on CompTAB and figuring out what education would look like after that. And we started to do some videos at the end of last year and kind of, you know, pivoted into this new model of realizing that people are stuck to their screens a lot right now. Um, so we really wanted to kind of lean into the audio only format and doing these in small bite-sized pieces because, you know, talking about mental health is not easy. There's a ton of stigma surrounding it. Um, and it's something that, you know, this is again, something I have to constantly remind myself of is that, you know, just because I'm very comfortable talking about it because I have for such a long time, doesn't mean that everyone in our industry is. Um, and a lot of people don't, you know, are very confused about what mental health is um, the difference between that and, you know, mental illness or mental health challenges or disorders. And so for us, we want to kind of, you know, shine a light on that. So um, that is where the Bite Size podcast was born. They are little, 
you know, bite-sized chunks of information about mental health, um, usually in the realm of about three to six minutes in length. Um, and then we follow those up with a glossary of terms and thought prompts. Um, we have packaged as kind of a study guide. So those will get released um, on Fridays. Um, and then we also have that glossary of term thought prompt study guide available as a one page download on our website. Um, and all of that material, both in audio and written format, um, is available in both English and Spanish, um, which was the other big piece of wanting to move to an audio only format is just the ability to produce a lot more and be able to do it in two different languages was incredibly important to us. It's no surprise, and I don't think anyone can talk about it nearly enough, is the undocumented experience and what people have gone through in the past year and the fact that undocumented workers are such a, a huge piece of what keep our industry, you know, the people that keep our industry afloat um, and that they're an absolute vital part. And we wanted to make sure that we are providing as much accessibility to mental health um, education to those people, as well as, you know, the people that, um, I think people like think of when they think of our industry. People think of the people that are guest facing or the chefs that are written up, but they don't realize um, the people who are actually the heartbeat of the restaurant and that they are, you know, oftentimes working even harder um, than we are. And we want to make sure that they're being taken care of as well. Yeah, especially providing those resources in Spanish that helps lend a voice to people who may not have access to those sorts of resources. So that's incredible. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Laura. I just wanted to close out and kind of ask based on your experiences, starting support staff and the crazy year that we've had, what do you think about this industry should change and what do you think we should preserve? Um, it's another such a, a multifaceted and loaded question and something I feel like we could spend another hour talking about. Um, for real, yeah. But if I had to say, you know, <laughs> but truly, um, what I would like to see stay the same in our industry is our sense of community and camaraderie um, and how we rally around people when they need help. Um, what I'd like to see change is that I don't want that to just be happening uh in the aftermath of tragedy or after something happening. I want to see how we can get more proactive in the work that we're doing, um, which is why education is such a, a vital component to our organization, um, is that we want to make sure that we are meeting people where they're at and not just when they've fallen down. Um, so I think, you know, that sense of camaraderie and community that our industry has is is massive in seeing that through. Um, but. I really would like for people to kind of, you know, shift their focus away from just tragedy based things that are reactionary and how we can actually, you know, build better, more supportive workplaces for people. And instead of, you know, fighting so hard against things, figuring out something that you really want to fight for and finding a group of people that want to help you fight with you to make change happen for the better in our industry. For the, the scope that that question could go to, that was a really amazing answer and has given me a lot to think about as well. Thanks. Laura, thank you for your time and thank you for the work you do with support staff. The, the industry needs more things like this and it's amazing to see this great work being done. No, we're really grateful that, um, that you included us in the podcast. Thanks for um, 
giving us another platform to use our voice. Um, and if anybody wants to get involved with our organization, um, definitely reach out to us uh, through our website or through our Instagram. Um, we're always looking for more people to collaborate with and to talk to about what we do. So thank you for being a piece of the industry and um, helping create more community through programs like this.